Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by my guest analyst Ephraim Tagu, who's my colleague at Star FM here in Zimbabwe. Hi there, Ephraim. Hello, Steve. Uh, great to be on the show today. Good to have you with us. Uh, on the show, we speak to Leicester City and Nigeria midfield. Wilfred Ndidi. We hear about his decision to take up studies at university and we ask if he'll be leaving Leicester City soon. I'm happy here because the club has a a good uh, ambition and structure to actually do good things. So, but we'll see. I'm just happy. I'm happy. Also, as Samuel Eto'o retires, is he the greatest African player ever? And we look ahead to the start of the UEFA Champions League group stage. Well, first, there was a gripping few days of 2022 World Cup qualifying for Africa, with the lowest-ranked teams playing for places in the group stage. Djibouti caused a massive upset, knocking out Eswatini, and we nearly had a huge shock here, as Somalia came very close to beating Zimbabwe. Somalia, a joint lowest-ranked in Africa, they took the first leg 1-0, and Zimbabwe needed two late goals to win the second leg 3-1 to squeeze through 3-2 on aggregate. A brave performance from Somalia, who assembled a squad with 10 new players from lower leagues in England, France, Italy, the USA, Canada, Qatar and elsewhere. I spoke to Somalia's Ghanaian coach, Bashir Hayford. I like the way my boys fought. It's not bad. To begin with, we know the calibre of a Zimbabwean team. They played in AFCON. We saw brilliant players from them. So we knew that we were coming to have a very tough opposition. Everything we have a beginning, and I think it is a beginning for good things to happen to Somalia football, if we continue to make sure we, we prepare the way we prepare. So as the coach of the Ocean Stars, Somalia, Bashir Hayford, uh, got to say, Ephraim, they really gave Zimbabwe fans a big scare. Yeah, they really did, especially when you uh, see how the Warriors eventually went through two late goals it took. I think uh, Somalia might be going places if they continue to build uh, from this success. Absolutely, and uh, huge celebrations uh, for the Zimbabwe fans in the end, but it was an anxious time. In a very unfortunate story, angry fans in Sierra Leone attacked a player's house after he missed a decisive penalty. Uh, Captain Umaru Bangura failed to put away a stoppage-time spot kick against Liberia. If he'd scored, it would have put Sierra Leone through. After the game, fans pelted Bangura's home with stones. And at the stadium, Sierra Leone fans threw stones at the Liberia team and a officials after the game and at Red Cross ambulances. Uh, Ida, very sad to hear this kind of thing. Very unfortunate and very sad indeed, Steve. And at the end of the day, Bangura is the captain of the Sierra Leone team and he is the leader on the pitch. And look, he did what the leader is supposed to do. He stepped up to the task. And it's very sad that we don't always see the two sides of football as fans because you win some and you lose some. And it just happened to be that on that day, things didn't go according to plan. And it's been an absolute horrendous time for Bangura. He later on said that it has been the worst time of his life. And 
let's let's face facts because Sierra Leone already don't have the best reputation when it comes to international football. They just recently got their ban lifted, and uh, Isha Johansson, who is the president of the Sierra Leone FA, recently also had some charges lifted. So it's just the general hope that the culprits involved will be apprehended, Stephen, that the National Football Association will be able to make an example out of these people. Yeah, sure. We hope there won't be a repeat uh, of that there. Tough defeat, though, for Sierra Leone as Liberia go through to the group stage of World Cup qualifying. Now, in other news in the last few days in African football, the record four-time African Player of the Year, Samuel Eto'o, has announced the end of his 22-year-long playing career, which ended with a spell at Qatar Sports Club at the age of 38. Uh, the Cameroon legend won two Nations Cups and the UEFA Champions League three times, twice with Barcelona and once with Inter Milan. The greatest African player of all time, Ida? I feel like this is a very, very tricky one, Steve, because I think first thing is first. We should actually determine the criteria that will be able to give us the African greatest player of all time. I feel like it's a combination of a few. But if we're simply talking accolades, then without a doubt, Samuel Eto'o definitely does it because on top of everything that you've talked about there he's a four-time african player of the year winner he took olympic gold with cameroon back in the year 2000 and if you ask a lot of people myself included i do think that samuel Eto'o should have won the 2006 ballon d'or a lot of people feel that he might have been the more deserving winner as opposed to fabio cannavaro but look that's a story for another day so talking Accolades. It has to be Samuel Eto'o. He has won everything, as you've put it there. However, there is also the issue of longevity because Samuel Eto'o has been at the top of his game for so, so long. We're talking about a player here who has participated in six African Cup of Nations and four World Cups. That's spanning around 24, 25 years. So you can see that he still maintained that level of pedigree for such a long time. And I do think that that has to count for something. However, Steve, at the same time, there are so many angles to look at this from. There are so many variables to consider because a lot of people also argue that Roger Miller, who incidentally also happens to come from Cameroon, paved the way for the likes of Samuel Eto'o. And, you know, Roger Miller might not have played in the much fancied Spain, you know, and the likes of England. Um, The furthest he went was France, but he had monumental significance in terms of the game paved itself later on for African footballers. And he really did put Africa and uh, in specific Cameroon on the map. Roger Miller, three World Cups, you know, his four goals in the 1990 World Cup made Cameroon to become the first team to actually advance to the quarterfinal. Roger Miller still holds the record as the oldest African player to actually score in a World Cup. So there are so many ways to to look at this and just because he didn't win the Champions League or back-to-back trebles it doesn't really reduce his greatness so at the end of the day not to diminish anything that Samuel Eto'o has done he's an absolute great of the game and it's an interesting debate but yeah I will I will have to say that Samuel Eto'o is definitely one of the greatest African players of all time.
Well, absolutely glittering career that uh, Samuel Eto'o had and uh, one of the most decorated African players, indeed, you have to say, the most decorated African player ever. Uh, Ephraim Tagu is our guest analyst uh, with me here in Harare. Ephraim, if you are to be critical, you could say that Eto'o didn't really shine in the English Premier League. Yes, I guess uh, that's uh, where, you know, you, you can look at and think that that's where the blemish is on his uh, glittering career. He went to Chelsea and uh, apart from that hat-trick he scored against Manchester United, there's not much that he did there. And then after his one-year contract was done, he signed a two-year deal with Everton and then he went to Everton and he promised to deliver uh, the Europa League title with Everton, but he left midway through his first season in that contract. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he really was a top-top player. Uh, the greatest of all time, I have to agree with people who I think that he was, especially if you are one of those who think that the UEFA Champions League is uh, perhaps one of the most competitive tournaments in the game right now, then his record in Spain, his record in the Serie A, uh, you just cannot question that. And on the African continent, people used to love watching him turn out for Cameroon and the way he used to score those goals and pick up those awards. Uh, he has to be remembered as one of the greatest of all time. Throwing this question to you this week on social media, is Eto the greatest African player ever? Uh, certainly the way that he was decorated with four African Player of the Year titles. That's a record. Uh, three times he won the UEFA Champions League and the highest goal scorer too at the Africa Cup of Nations with 18 goals. So where do you rank Samuel Eto among Africa's greatest? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine five five two three two. Seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think is Samuel Eto the greatest African player ever? Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. We're now to our interview with Leicester City and Nigeria midfielder Wilfred Ndidi. Last month, Ndidi revealed that he's studying as well as playing. He's studying business and management at a university in Leicester. Oluwashina Okaleji linked up with Ndidi and first asked why he opted out of his country's friendly this week away to Ukraine. For me, uh, the, the reason why I'm, I didn't go for the national team was because uh, I'm still recovering from my strain. And then I played the last game, but I was not supposed to. But uh, the club is still trying to monitor my strength. So I spoke to the coach and I also spoke to the, the president about this situation. And then that's the reason I'm, well, I would have loved to. I'm always proud and happy to play for Nigeria anytime, any day. But I just have to work on my recovery and strength. Combining education and football must be very tough. I know they are both demanding, but if you had to choose, which is a lot easier for you to deal with? Football. Football, because I've, I've been playing football growing up and I'm used to it. So I think I'm used to football now and I think it's easier than just going to class and staying and sometimes I get bored and sleep. Or <laughs> but I think football, football is... There were talks that you could move in the summer. How true is it that you were approached by one of the top six Premier League clubs? I didn't hear of any. <laughs> I didn't hear of anything. I think it's just speculations, you know. 
You've said that um, you're happy at Leicester, but um, I know you will get to a point in your career. When do you think that time will be when you think, you know what, I want, I'm ambitious now, I want to challenge myself elsewhere? I'm happy at Leicester. I'm happy here because the club has a, a good uh, ambition and structure to actually do good things. So, but we'll see. I'm just happy. I'm happy. I mean, you've worked with um, four managers at Leicester City. Uh, what makes your current manager, Brenda Rogers, what makes him stand out? He's, he's very good. He's a good coach and he, he interacts with the players. He makes us understand what we have to do and why we have to do them and make us know that it's not just about playing the game. You're talented, you have the qualities, but you have to show it. And you have to be confident and show the personality of who you can really be on the pitch. So uh, that is Leicester City and Nigeria midfielder Wilfred Ndidi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloeshina Okaleji. Ephraim Tagu is our guest analyst on the show this week. He's my colleague at Star FM here in Zimbabwe. You can't really be sure whether Ndidi's being economical with the truth there, but uh, where would you place Leicester under Brendan Rodgers? Is the ambition indeed there with the club? Well, I think the ambition is there. I think when you look at Brendan Rodgers, he is um, a manager who's gone for the championship before during his days with Liverpool, uh, when Liverpool came second. Uh, So when you look at him, he looks like he's someone who wants to make an impression at Leicester City. He looks like someone who uh, might go to a bigger club, as it may, because he views himself as a a big coach. And um, taking Leicester City, moving from Celtic, just shows you uh, the ambition that he has. And Didi is um, at the right place. Uh, because when you look at Leicester City, they've won the championship before and they're now on a rebuilding process. Of course, they've lost um, great players. The Algerian, they've lost Riyad Mahrez, haven't really replaced him, uh, but uh, they can still kick on. And when you look at where they can actually finish in terms of uh, the log standings, you'd think maybe realistically they can go for a Europa League position. Uh, that is your fifth on the table, sixth on the table. Uh, but they can still uh, go for a top four finish if they can continue to be consistent. They've Got a point away at Chelsea on the big stage. I think that's encouraging. Shows that they can go away from home against the big teams and get a result. And uh, that should give them a boost that maybe this year could be the year where they mix it up with the big boys again. So they're third as we speak after a good start to the season. So to you, more than just knocking on the door of the top six, they could actually get in there. Yeah, I think they can. I think they can. They can get there. You know, when when you you've got the enthusiasm that this uh, bunch of players have, then you can actually ask some questions and look at the competition around them. You've got Frank Lampard at Chelsea. He hasn't settled. Chelsea are on a transfer ban. They're using young players. They don't really look like they can threaten for the title. They look like they at best can get a top four finish. You look at Arsenal, very inconsistent. Look at Manchester United. No longer the team that they were. So there is opportunity there. And when you look at Tottenham, they haven't gotten off to a good start. They're not looking uh, like what they were. At the beginning of the season, people thought Tottenham might challenge for the title. Well, they've quickly proven people wrong that this is possibly just a two-horse race. So when you look at the competition around them, you look at Leicester, you look at clubs like Everton, then maybe they've got a chance. They are definitely not pretenders and they are in the top three as we speak due to merit. Well, so it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Now, uh, Wilfred Ndidi is only 22. Um, Where could he end up in a few years' time? 
I, I, I look at him and um, I think of someone like Jeremy Njitap, the Cameroonian who played for Real Madrid, you know, really sparkled at Real Madrid in that midfield. And I think Didi can possibly do the same, you know, go to the Spanish La Liga, go to the big boys there and, and really mix it up with, uh, with, with those guys. So I really see him uh, playing for a much bigger club, if not in the English Premier League. And then he'll, he'll do it for a team that is challenging, not just for the domestic league title, but for the Champions League as well. We'll see what Wilfred Ndidi has up his sleeve. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And now we turn to social media. And last week we discussed the case of Algeria coach Jamel Belmadi, who's missed out on a place among the finalists in the Best FIFA Football Awards, despite winning the Africa Cup of Nations in July. The three finalists for the best men's coach are all in the English Premier League. That's Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp and Mauricio Pochettino. Uh, Belmadi was on the initial 10-man shortlist, as was Brazil coach Tite, who won the Copa America, but neither of them got through to the final three. Uh, no doubt about the credentials of Guardiola, Klopp and Pochettino, but on the other hand, these are not UEFA awards, so did Belmadi deserve more recognition for winning a continental championship? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard with your comments. Well, thanks then, Steve. And we'll start today on Facebook. Adrissa Dumbaya in The Gambia says, Yes, Belmadi should have been there, together with Tite, because they are continental champions. And Klopp too, but with all due respect, neither Pep nor Pochettino should be there. And Daddy John, also in the Gambia, agrees. With all due respect to Pochettino, I think he's a fantastic coach, but he doesn't deserve to be in the final three, says Daddy. He didn't win any trophy with his Spurs side. Belmadi, on the other hand, won the Africa Cup of Nations with Algeria without losing a single match, which in itself is a remarkable achievement. So he deserves to be among the three finalists for the best men's coach. To WhatsApp now and Khalifa Sanyang in China agrees. Yes, it should have been Belmadi, Tite and Klopp in the final three, says Khalifa. But what is Pochettino doing on that list? Oh yes, that's a very good question. And it's been echoed by many of our correspondents this week. Adrissa Toure in the Gambia is one such person. I believe Belmadi deserved to be among the three finalists, says Idrissa. He's done a tremendous job with the Algeria national team. But I don't think Pochettino should be in the final three. Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone speaks for many of our correspondents this week when he says simply, I think Belmadi did deserve more recognition. He should have been in that final three. But Philip Kanu in the Gambia doesn't share the same view. Really, he doesn't deserve to be among the three finalists, says Philip. He did really well to lift the Africa Cup of Nations, but you can see the top coaches are the likes of Guardiola, Klopp, etc. And I don't think he deserves to be among the three finalists. And Moinga Mayambolwa in Zambia agrees. Should Belmadi have been in the final three? Well, not really, says Moinga, considering that they'd not really been performing well prior to the Cup of Nations. The list looks just fine to me, to say the least. The three that are up for the awards are really there on merit, considering how their teams have performed over the last 13 months. And Mohammed in the Gambia takes a similar perspective. In my opinion, I think he does deserve a place among the finalists because he won the AFCON with Algeria, but alongside the likes of Pep, Klopp and Pochettino, 
He would go down the pecking order because of the achievements these three have made with their respective teams during the last few years. So, all in all, I don't think he's good enough to be part of the top three on the list, says Mohammed. And that point about the consistency of performance over recent years is echoed by Molamin Silla in The Gambia. Belmadi definitely did a wonderful job for Algeria, says Molamin, but I truly believe that the three finalists deserve it because they have been consistent for a couple of years. I'm sure that if Belmadi keeps up the good work, next time around he will be among the top three. And finally, Musa Jaju, also in the Gambia, agrees. I don't think he should be in the last three, says Musa. Maybe he deserves to be in the top five, but Klopp won the best tournament in the world, Pep won the treble in England, and Mauricio took second in the Champions League after defeating some really top teams before reaching the final. So he deserves to be in the top three. Our Cup of Nations isn't equivalent to the Europeans' tournaments, says Musa. Well, something of a controversial note to end with there, Steve. But overall this week, the comments we received are split pretty much down the middle. All I'd say then is that, to me, having three coaches from the English Premier League and ignoring two who have won regional championships this year is a missed opportunity to champion success on the international stage. Well, yes, that shortlist makes it more like the UEFA Awards again, I'd say, but no doubt about how good those three finalists are. Thanks, Adrian, and thanks for all of those views. So the group stage of the 2019-2020 UEFA Champions League begins next Tuesday with Liverpool the defending champions after their all-English final with Tottenham. Now Ephraim Tagu is my guest analyst this week and Ephraim, the balance was firmly with the English teams last season after years of Spanish dominance. So which country might provide the winner this time? Well, it's difficult to look past the English teams. Uh, it looks like they still have uh, the depth. It looks like they still have the teams that can challenge. You look at the Italian Serie A, Juventus might have a big shout this year. Cristiano Ronaldo getting used to his teammates. It's now his second season there. Uh, they've brought back Gonzalo Higuain up front. It looks like uh, he's very hungry as well to prove himself. They've really bolstered the squad. Aaron Ramsey from Arsenal, they brought him into that midfield. He looks very good as well for Juventus. They are the top dogs. And when you look at a team like Paris Saint-Germain from France, they are also another team that really need to start proving on the big stage, which is the UEFA Champions League. They dominate the, the French Liga, but it's the Champions League that they want. And they've brought in Mauro Icardi as well from Inter Milan. And they are doing so to try and win the Champions League. So in terms of France, they are the ones who are flying the flag. And in terms of... Um, Spain, the, the Spanish teams are a mystery going into uh, this season because Zinedine Zidane doesn't have Cristiano Ronaldo. Zinedine Zidane wanted a couple of players that didn't come. He wanted to let go of Gareth Bale, wanted Paul Pogba to come in, didn't get Neymar. Things didn't really go well in the transfer market. So Real Madrid, they've got Eden Hazard, but I really don't see them as strong contenders. And does Lionel Messi still have it at that age? And without Neymar in the team, the last time Barcelona won the Champions League, it was Neymar, the famous MSN with um, Messi, Suarez and Neymar. Ever since Neymar left that team, they haven't been able to win the UEFA Champions League. So, uh, But those are perhaps the countries to watch. But uh, England still have a very good shot. Mm, OK, so uh, what's the group of death here, Ephraim? So I've got for two, when you look at uh, Group D, you've got Juventus, uh, you've got Atletico Madrid, you've got Bayer Leverkusen, and you've got Lokomotiv Moscow. Now, with that Russian team, 
it's very difficult to go to Russia and get a result. That's why I've, I've, I've chosen this one as, as, as one of the two groups that are very difficult to get out of. And Atletico Madrid, they've, they've really shown under Diego Simeon that they can take on anyone. They've won the La Liga in a, in a league that has Barcelona and Real Madrid. It just shows you the type of team they are. Bayer Leverkusen from the Bundesliga, they're no pushovers as well. And Juventus need no introduction. They've got Cristiano Ronaldo. They've got a lot at stake uh, going into this season. They need to win now because Cristiano Ronaldo is now 34 years of age. Maybe he's got two more uh, good seasons left in his legs and they need to make sure that they make the best of him now. And the other group that I've gone for, Steve, here is uh, Group F where you've got Barcelona, you've got Borussia Dortmund and you've got Inter Milan and Slavia Prague. Uh, So Inter Milan have sort of tipped the scales here for me because they've, they, they've brought in Antonio Conte, uh, the former Chelsea manager who won the league with Chelsea there. Uh, people in Serie A know him uh, because he won the league with Juventus as well. And Borussia Dortmund, they've got some exciting youngsters up front. Jaden Sancho is now doing well for England. They've got Marco Royce as well in that team. And Barcelona really need no introduction on this stage. Lionel Messi, is on record saying that they need to bring uh, the Champions League back to Spain, specifically uh, back to Catalonia, to Barcelona. And we'll just have to wait and see if they can deliver that. Inter Milan are the dark horses, not just in this group, Steve, uh, but in this competition. If they can come out of this group, no one would want to play against them. Yes, yeah, so with Romelu Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez, a lot of respect, I'd say, for uh, Inter Milan. Now, uh, looking at the African players, of course, Liverpool have their contingent there, but uh, quite a lot of uh, the other teams that don't feature very often in the Champions League, uh, a chance for us to see some other African players in action in the coming months. Indeed, you've got uh, Victor Wanyama, no stranger to uh, this stage. He used to play for Tottenham, but um, now he's playing for Club Bruges. He needs to impress. He's going to be going against the midfield of uh, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid in that group. It's going to be interesting to see how he's able to do battle there. I really enjoy watching him, uh, the midfielder from Kenya. So Sir Jory has got uh, an excellent uh, opportunity to play at right-back for Tottenham. Tottenham, the finalists from last season, they sold Kyrian Trippier and uh, Serge Aurier plays in that position. So he has an opportunity to really shine on the big stage. So it remains to be seen whether or not uh, Tottenham are able uh, to go one better and actually win the Champions League. That's a big shout. Thomas Partey, Ghanaian, Atletico Madrid, he's one to watch. Bali at Napoli, also another one to watch. And Genk of Belgium uh, make a surprise appearance in the Champions League. We got Mbwana Samata of uh, Tanzania and also the uh, tall, strong, imposing uh, Paul Onuwachu of uh, Nigeria. Veteran Traore of Lyon as well, uh, the Burkina Faso man, he's also one to watch. And for Paris Saint-Germain, they got a Cameroonian, a Chupa Moting. He's playing, and uh, it's interesting when you look at Chupa Moting this season. He's obviously down the packing order. There's Akiri Mbappe. Uh, there's also Edinson Cavani. There's Neymar. But these three are injured. So he gets an opportunity to step in there and prove his worth. And on the big stage in the Champions League, I'm just hoping that he can get a couple of goals and get his career going. And um, we'll just have to wait and see. He's not alone in that uh, Paris Saint-Germain squad. Idrissa Gay of Senegal is also there. And he's also another one to watch. Yes, a plenty of African interest there. OK, friend, before we get your final verdict, let's go back to Nairobi in Kenya and rejoin Ida Waringa. Who are you tipping to take the Champions League, Ida? 
you know, Steve, the Champions League is a bit similar to the English Premier League, just in terms of the unpredictability, you know. And we did see last season some teams that no one would ever have guessed, the likes of Ajax and the likes of Tottenham, actually going all the way, you know, to the semi-final and the final, respectively. So it's it's definitely all cards in the air. But look, definitely in terms of English Premier League dominance, specifically to do with uh, the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool, I do think they will be able to continue their dominance, not just at home, but be able to replicate, as they did last season, replicate it on the continental scene. So I do see the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City going far. I, however, don't think that Tottenham will be able to replicate their performance last season and be able to do it this one. But I will also be very interested to see how Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo will do because, you know, we've seen from before that CR7 is a serial winner in the Champions League. And maybe last season might not have gone according to plan. I mean, he was still settling in at Juventus. But it will be interesting to see just how far his experience in the Champions League and, you know, his goal scoring momentum will be able to take Juve. I do think that under the right circumstances, Juve can go all the way to the final. So let's see. It will be definitely an interesting season. OK, Ida, thanks. Uh, we shall see. Uh, what about uh, you then, Ephraim? Well, uh, first and foremost, you have to give respect to the defending champions, Liverpool. I think they uh, can defend uh, their title. It's been done before. Uh, but Manchester City as well, uh, they deserve a shout. I think uh, they're a bit overdue. I think they're, they're a bit overdue. And maybe this time around, Pep Guardiola can win, uh, finally win the UEFA Champions League outside of uh, Barcelona. And Manchester City really have the squad to really go deep in this competition. Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi whenever they are on any team they need to be mentioned in this conversation and Juventus just because they've got Cristiano Ronaldo uh, they get my vote here and Barcelona just because they've got uh, Lionel Messi and they haven't won it in a while uh, they also get a shout so those are the four teams that I believe can go dip in this competition and possibly win it so a four-team shortlist there. Thanks, Ephraim. Uh, I'm going to say Manchester City. Maybe it's their turn, and I'll put a Juventus as my second choice there. Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, and from my guest analyst, Ephraim Tagu, also here in Zimbabwe, and from Ida Wairinga in Nairobi, and from Adrian Barnard in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.